using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to Hefty Ultra Strong Trash Bags, always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty Ultra Strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Show for Wednesday, August 19th. Radio. <laughs> well, that was way too long of a pause. Anyways, hello and welcome. You're listening to the Influence Change at Work show for Wednesday, August 19th, 2015. Hey, Paige, I think I might be hearing yep. a echo. I just turned it off. Yep. Okay, awesome. Anyway, I'm your host, Heather Stegel, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do once a month on Blog Talk Radio. This show is one of the many ways I help equip individuals and teams to influence change at Enclaria. And besides listening to this show, another way you can equip yourself to influence change at work is to attend my three-day Fundamentals of Change Management workshop coming up on September 28th through 30th here in Atlanta, where you can get the tools and skills to facilitate the adoption of change in your organization. To learn more and register, please visit enclaria.com events. Today, my guest is Paige Lillard, who is here to discuss how to get invited to the strategy table. Paige is a former lead judge for the Baldridge Framework for Performance Excellence. She has more than 20 years experience building and leading Turner Broadcasting's innovative internal consulting team. She is now CEO and principal at Beacon Consulting PBL, where she coaches executives to ensure successful business transformation and execution of strategies to reach world-class performance. Paige was a previous guest on this show in an episode called The Path to Business Excellence, which she, in which she shared her unconventional career path at Turner Broadcasting. Or did you put yourself on mute? No, I, you just dropped out. Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't hear you. <laughs> okay, pardon our audio difficulties today. <laughs> Hopefully we can both hear each other and everyone else can hear us as well. Yeah. So our topic today is get invited to the strategy table. And so can you tell us a little bit about what do you mean by that? What, is, what do you mean by the strategy table? Um, great question. So uh, one thing I've seen so much of, um, in especially in larger companies, but actually it happens in all size companies and organizations, is that people who specialize in one of the internal service areas, such as HR or legal or technology or operations, often aren't consulted when ex the executive team are establishing their strategy. And how that translates as kind of a cascading challenge is, the service groups become order takers because they're not at the strategy table helping the organization with the, their expertise and knowledge in their specific area to develop the strategy. Sometimes their perspective and all of the expertise that they have in their area aren't considered in the strategic planning process. So what often happens is they're given the goal in the cascading process where someone says, here's, here's where we're headed, go do this for us. And so many times the leaders of those internal service groups say, why are we doing this? Of, you know, with this and that and this going on, 
this doesn't seem like the most prudent or beneficial activity for us to be focused on right now. Or the way that this is being set up or laid out across the organization isn't as effective or efficient as it could be. So it, it becomes, as that leader then translates the message down to their people, they're trying to enroll and engage their teams in this strategy and in these activities where they have a hard time even explaining the value of what they're doing. So, or why they're doing one type of activity over another that does not seem to make sense to the organization. So, either it's a, um, a matter of the why has not been communicated from the executive strategy level down to the different departments, the internal service groups, so there's a lack of understanding, or they truly didn't have all the information that they could have had in order to make a better decision about what they should be doing as an organization. And often, things like HR, your people, your IT groups, your operation groups, have a tremendous amount of information that could inform that strategic planning process. So when I say get to the strategy table, it's being able to give your input and your valuable expertise and knowledge from your particular subject matter expertise before the strategy is created and as a, as a process of developing strategy. Great, and I can see how that would also apply to, we could add to the list of that, those internal service teams, the, your change management, project management folks. Absolutely. That, and that, that's one of the things that this change management field, I think, is struggling a little bit with or trying to grapple with is that where do we come in? Do we need right. to come in when strategy is being formulated so we can apply all the thinking to people <laughs> in the very beginning? and then you know build that into that whole process or do we come in after it's been decided and so that's how these two fields link together so what what's and your story when it comes to this so, what is what yeah. is it that interests you around this idea of getting to the strategy table well i've i've worked with internal um, service teams for so many years and um, lived through the process of kind of turning around and transitioning their role from the order taker role to a much more strategic partner within the business. And a lot of that has to do with generating um, a level of trust with the senior leadership team that the group that you're leading, or the, the, the internal service provider, is doing what they should do, that they're doing it well, that the minimum expectations of the business are being set and that their subject matter expertise now can be regarded and listened to because all of the other factors that I call hygiene factors have been met. So I, I look at it as my experience has shown three major things that I focus on with the internal service teams. The first is actually um, being, being good at the basics. So do the basics extremely well. The second is, once you do the basics extremely well, produce some kind of a report or scorecard that, that can communicate how well you're doing the basics to your key customer groups. Um, and once you do that, then you can actually demonstrate the value of your expertise. But it's, it's a, a building process. You can't go straight to trying to provide the value of your expertise if you haven't done the first piece, which is, do the basics really well. And I have kind of a yeah. parallel story that I use when I when I talk to groups about this um, that is, to me, just kind of 
crystallize this uh, this process. So mm-hmm. um, I went to a mechanic years ago for my car, and I was having issues with my brakes. And after two trips where he didn't really resolve the problem, the third time I went and he said, okay, we, we got you now. Third time's the charm. We're good. I drove out of the garage. I went about three or four miles down the road and felt the same issue again. So it had not been fixed. I was really frustrated. I thought about going to another mechanic, but then I'd have to start the whole process all over again. And so I went back to the original mechanic and I said, it's still not working. And he said, oh, you know what? We probably didn't do. And he looked back at it again. And and I was just exasperated. But what happened next blew my mind. He actually tried to recommend to me that he had a package that he could give me to make my engine more powerful and more efficient, supercharged, and this, that, and the other thing. And I just sat there. I was, I was like, I couldn't believe that he was trying. He couldn't do the basics. He could not provide the basic level of service that I could trust, that he could actually fix my brakes. And, and to my knowledge, at that point, he still hadn't actually done it. And yet he was trying to sell me on something even bigger and and more strategic, so to speak, to to provide the analogy. And my response was, how can I possibly give you trust you with my engine if you can't fix my brakes? <laughs> right. And and that just crystallizes what all the internal customers of these um, internal service groups let's just say like technology or operations or change management or HR, if if they're not providing the basics or even if they are but the internal customers don't see it, don't understand it, and for some reason don't acknowledge that, then they don't have that core foundation of trust to be able to move into, okay, I'd actually like for you to participate with me in the beginning of our strategy process because I trust that you, you do your basics really well, and uh, I'd like to have your input because I respect you as a professional and an expert in your area to give us input at, earlier on in the strategy process. So that's kind of the, the analogy that I use, and I think it's really important for organizations to, to kind of break it up into these three steps or three pieces. Yeah. Um, and and, and I'd, I'd like to dig into those three pieces in a minute, but I'd like to just take a step back for a minute and just understand, you know, what happens when you're not part of the strategy conversation? What, why is this so important? For, for an organization that puts hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars into supporting their business through their operations, their legal HR, all their service teams, um, when those teams aren't efficient or effective or they're working on something that's not valuable for the organization, it has a direct impact on the bottom line for one thing. The other thing that's critical is in an age where you have to be agile, you have to be able to to implement new ideas, new products and services, new approaches to business in a very short cycle time. And that often is the difference from a competitive advantage perspective over your competitors. If you can change faster to meet the needs of the marketplace or meet the needs of the customers or respond to an economic crisis, the faster your organization can change and make that transition, then the more successful you'll be as a business. If you laden your organization with a lot of 
activities that are not really non-value add or create extra process or extra challenges or frustrate your teams because it just doesn't make sense. They don't feel they're working on the right thing at the right time for the right reason, then you end up losing that potential competitive advantage to make change happen quickly. So the more that an internal service team is involved in the strategy, then the more agile the organization can be, would you say? Absolutely, and that is all because of alignment. So it creates a a much more alignment between your people, all those core services that provide the foundation for your salespeople to go out and sell and for the product people to ship your products. Um, Those activities that make the company money all those support teams are on the back end providing those key components of services to the business in order to make those money-making, revenue-generating transactions. So, yeah, that's a great way, to Heather, to just crystallize it down to that little piece. You actually are more agile as an organization and more aligned as an organization if these folks have some level of, of input into the strategic planning process, and then they can align their people to these more value-added activities. Sure, it seems like when these internal service teams are involved in at the st- strategic level, then you're making strategic decisions that have more information. And Absolutely. So that way you're not you know, making false starts with the wrong information. Yeah, and if you think about it, like let's say an organization, you know, the um, senior leaders decide on a particular technology path or a particular product path and they decide on uh, some kind of technology solution without really uh, embedding a lot more information and perspective from their technology teams in that decision-making process. So maybe that decision was really focused on and driven by a market decision or something something relative to what the competitors are doing. But if that if that decision was informed by information from more of the technology groups and operation and how they're all related, then they may have come up with an even better idea. Rather than mimicking what a what a competitor is doing, they could have potentially decided on a new approach that would leapfrog past the competitors. So why would you say it's so hard to have a voice at the table, especially as an internal service provider? You know, I've heard... I follow a bunch of HR people on Twitter, and I know this conversation comes up every now and then about, you know, how do you get HR at the ta- at the strategy table or a seat at the table? And so I know other service providers also have that struggle. So, you know, why is it so difficult to get that voice? I think it's a challenge because in, you know, where these groups have grown up in their organizations, uh, over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, we've, those internal service teams have been, have been order takers. You know, if you look at the history of technology or the history of HR, uh, HR was a benefits-driven organization when I started at Turner a long time ago, and that they didn't, they, it has evolved since then to be a much more um, effective and comprehensive uh, service provider and player for the business. Because a lot of organizations will say our people are our best asset, and yet a lot of the human element considerations are not considered in the strategy process. For example, how is our our workforce changing? Um, how can we how can we leverage the changing workforce to make our products and services better or our organization um, 
more financially effective and successful. So instead, it's an afterthought. They come up with a strategy and then say, can you please figure out how to fit our HR strategy into this particular goal? But you may say, if we're, if we're employing a lot of millennials, maybe our product can change and they can help drive that and that might be an earlier consideration in the process. So I think it's just an evolution of the role of internal service providers is becoming much more foundational in nature um, relative to their subject matter expertise on a holistic strategy and approach. And I think a lot of organizations still have the more hierarchical, segmented um, structure and approach to strategy where the traditional is um, the senior leaders get together, they look at the mar- a lot of external factors, and they don't mm-hmm. necessarily consider, con- consider the internal factors. They make the decisions based on external factors and then uh, expect as the next step in the process for the internal groups to align to that. And, and what I'm suggesting and what is, is much more effective, I've seen in my experience, is taking those internal considerations earlier in the process. If the question is, and the challenge for these folks is, how do you get at that table, which is that those three steps that I talked about. Well, and so that's a good segue. Why don't we talk about those three steps in a little more detail? What are those tips that you provide for being invited to participate at the strategic level? Well, the first is do the basics extremely well. And in order to do that, you have to understand what does your internal customer and just for the purposes of this conversation, I'll call it your internal customer. My definition of an internal customer is someone who receives either information or some kind of product that your group generates that they are the next step or a later step in the process toward the revenue generation cycle. So um, anything that you provide, your group provides. So for let's talk about HR for a second. In HR, recruiting, retention, and uh, release, shall we say, or firing of individuals is a key component, that process of bringing people on, nurturing them, encouraging them, engaging them, getting your best work from them, having them give you know, some of their discretionary effort to your organization. And then if people aren't working out, exiting them efficiently and effectively in order to make sure you have the most you know, high-performing team as possible. That's a hugely valuable and critically important element of organizational success. And so the question of what are the basics that the business units need from HR, let's say in this example, relative to that process, what are their expectations? So you may have, if if they actually ask their internal customers, what are those basic services that you need from us You need us to do just really well. And that likely would come up as one of them. There would be others. But let's say Mm -hmm. they they talked about that. The next step is identifying where are you relative to their expectations. So if, for example, on a hiring process might be cycle time, might be a measure. When we have an open position, we'd like to fill it within 90 days. Where are you right now in your cycle time for fulfilling roles? Um, And you could you know, stratify that by level or, you know, complexity of the type of job or whatever, but Mm -hmm. um, they could decide, they can measure, right now we're at 120 days. And if you go back to your internal uh, 
customers and say, we know we're at 120, we know you'd like to be at 90, here's what it's going to take for us to speed up that process. And so they can recommend process improvements that that internal customer may have to participate in, like giving more information up front or making the hiring manager more available, that type of a thing. So having a scorecard um, to be able to show those basic, understanding what the basic requirements are, I call them hygiene factors, (laughs) the -hmm. things you just have to do well, um, is the first step, and that's critically important. If you look at an IT um, support team, for example, internal group, um, a hygiene factor or the basics would be email and telephone. If Mm -hmm. those things aren't working well, they're just not going to trust you to bring in strategic approaches that would, you know, cost money and be, you know, um, uh, take significant resources to make happen. They're just not going to trust you. So that's really that whole foundation of trust, which I know you know very well is the cornerstone for change management. Right. So go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to just summarize, so go ahead. Yeah, I was just I was going to too. Um, so that's really doing the the basics, understanding what they are, who your internal customers are, what the basics mean to them, and being able to tell them how well you're doing at those basics. Okay, and then what? So then it's the the measurement and reporting back to them. So because. You, you position yourself as a partner to those internal groups rather than an adversary. So often there's natural adversary relationships. For example, sales and then product development is <laughs> often mm-hmm. delivery. So often sales, many, many organizations, any industry, you name it, get upset with the salespeople for selling things that the, that the production people or the you know uh, product design people cannot deliver. And or it, it costs them a tremendous amount of resource to be able to deliver what the salespeople promised. Um, there's a whole lot of I could go I could do a radio show just on that. <laughs> but, yeah, we but, don't we don't have that much time. I, so yeah, <laughs> we'll go into it. But I mean that's a great example of um, a typical adversary relationship. But if 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 the product delivery people can tell the story of here's in product design, here's what we're going through in our processes to design the product. Um, what we can, and here's how well we're doing at it. What are your expectations? Um, then there's more of a partnership relationship between the two. One group has to come forward and say, we know we provide you something that we go and sell that makes the company money. What are your basic expectations and how well are we doing at it? If you can actually show through a measurement, and I call it like a scorecard, Here's how we're doing for you. So if we go back to the HR um, example, here are the basic requirements that our internal customers have of us, our managers, for example, and our executives to support them. Here's how we're doing at each of them. And here's where we know we're hitting the mark, we're doing well. Here's where we know we're not hitting the mark and doing well. And here's our strategy or our action plans for improving those areas where we're challenged. It makes it much easier to ask for additional resources, by the way because it, it yeah. connects your ability to to support the organization to the results that they're getting. So that scorecard is really important, and it also builds bridges, creates partnerships instead of adversarial relationships. And the, the wider you share it, and, and I would also suggest up the chain, so with your boss and 
anyone else, a boss's boss or your boss's peers, um, to know and understand how you're approaching your business as a true service provider and that your um, your team is focused on improving what you do in order for the business to be more successful. So you're a bigger picture thinker as a leader or as an uh, internal service team. Great. So you started with first do the basics extremely well. The second is to become more of this partner, part, have a more of a partnership with your internal customers and create that scorecard so you can have that transparency of you know, demonstrating that, hey, we're trying to do better and these are the ways that we can be more of a partner with you. And then, so what's step three? So step three is demonstrate the value of your expertise. So once you have done the first and the second step, you have built credibility and trust by that point. And that cycle time may take you a year, it may take you two years, it may take you three years. I was just with a large uh, organization and their technology group, and it's taken them almost three years to right the ship, so to speak. They had so many problems delivering on the basics. That organization had very little trust from the outside organization, from the from the parent organization. And mm-hmm. when that happens, they tend to go hire outside third-party vendors to come, you know, do the job that you're not doing well. There is a bit of a competitive factor there. It's very important to do this as an internal group. Um, so once you once you have those in place and you've built that trust, which takes as long as it takes, um, then the focus is let us help you make better decisions by giving you specific information that we have subject matter expertise in before you go to strategy. And what I recommend is that, you, you know, the organization and your teams know exactly what the organization should be doing that they're not doing relative to your area of expertise, so technology, HR, change management, legal, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Your teams are living that frustration every single day. So they they can come up, I bet, with a list of 20 things <laughs> that if the organization did differently, they could be more effective for the organization. So yeah. I would pick one or two of those that if if there was a change in the strategy that could could really improve the effectiveness of the output of your group and the entire value chain for the organization if possible. So if if you can get to the point where you identify a recommendation, so in technology, if a, some, a technology solution is recommended that was not aligned with the strategy originally, but if the organization did it, they would have several different key benefits over and above their current strategy, then that starts to show that you that your team can provide value over and above those basic hygiene factors. And that's where the door begins to open to the strategy table. So they start to see, okay, well, I, you are thinking big picture, you're thinking of the organization overall, and you know your area of expertise. We need that area of expertise, that knowledge to better plan. So it's a building process, providing those core basics very well, being able to show through the language of business, which is measurement. Here's the value that we're providing. Here's what we're doing well, what we need to do better. And then opening the door to strategy by making really uh, strategic recommendations on how the organization can improve a key business result if they did things differently 
relative to your area. Yeah, and then as they adopt those, then it becomes that invitation where they're asking you up front instead of you having to, you know, sneak in and not sneak in, but you know, sneak in and suggest, hey, we should do these one or two things. But demonstrating exactly. that that information has value then makes people curious about what more do you know that could help us. Right, and and the the amazing thing is when you actually start to really talk to your team, that topic of opportunity, I call it, which is a strategic change that you would recommend as a group, when you find that topic of opportunity and you really kind of uh, come up with the detail and the business benefit, that is the key to opening that strategy table door. So then they start to see, and then it might take two or three or four of those topic of opportunities, but they allow you to to pursue and they start to come ask you just like you said Heather they start to look at you uh, hopefully the leader of that group or a certain list of subject matter experts in that group um, to help them out with information before they go to strategy or as they're considering altering their strategy right Great. Well, Paige, we're almost done with our time, so I just want to give you a chance to let people know how can they learn more or how can they contact you if they'd like to to do that. Sure. Um, you can contact me. My email is Paige, P-A-I-G-E, beaconconsultingpbl.com. Um, also, they could call me direct um, at 305 2430. I'd be happy to, to chat with people and just to give them some ideas um, that they may be able to take forward into their organizations. Great, Paige. Thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And coming up next month on Wednesday, September 16th, Beth Cohn joins the show to warn us, beware of bad change management. There are a lot of so-called experts out there, so how can you tell the good ones from the bad ones? Well, listen next month to find out. Thank you for listening to the Influence Change at Work show. If you'd like to find more resources to help you influence change in your organization, including individual coaching, team workshops, and upcoming training events like the Fundamentals of Change Management Workshop, please visit enclaria.com. And while you're there, sign up for my monthly newsletter and receive 12 free templates from my change management toolkit, The Irresistible Change Guide. Until next time, take care and best wishes for your change initiative. Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra-strong trash bags. Always at an ultra-low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head-to-head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra-strong with Arm & Hammer Odor Control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. 
Using an overpriced trash bag. Pricey, pricey, pricey. A bag that breaks. Whippy, whippy, whippy. Or a smelly bag. Stinky, stinky, stinky. Time to switch to hefty, ultra strong trash bags. Always at an ultra low price. Hefty, hefty, hefty. There are best bags yet, and they cost less than Glad Force Flex were sold head to head. So you'll be happy, happy, happy. Hefty, ultra strong with Arm and Hammer odor control. Available at Sam's Club. Hefty, hefty, hefty. 